0: Welcome back to Defeat the Darkness. This is Vivian L. Miller. I'm here again with my close friend, CJ Jones. And today we're going to be delving more into quantum faith and how it operates the way it does and how I really believe, and I've talked to several people that are close to me, including Cheryl, and I really believe that this is a key to our victory as the body of Christ in these end times. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm wonderful. How are you? Blessed, abundantly, highly favored, deeply loved of the Lord, and in victory. And I know you would say the same about yourself.
1: <laughs> I do.
0: And, and there are times when we have to say these things by faith. But, yeah. you know, when I started learning about how the Word of God works and spiritual law and how, because I told you last week about me getting my first house. Uh-huh. And I did that. It was, that was a completely a faith accident. God is faithful, and because I put those those laws into operation, I got what I what I declared. But mm-hmm. I didn't understand for a good. It was a good decade. I didn't understand what I had actually done, so that I could repeat it. Right. You know, because that's the problem. A lot of Christians will stumble across something, and it works. But I've heard stories and I've seen it happen where, you know, a, a church has a service and they sing Onward Christian Soldiers and miracles break out. So then they start singing Onward Christian Soldiers every service, expecting miracles. But it wasn't necessarily that hymn that brought the miracles. Right. Somebody in that congregation was probably using their faith, whether on purpose or by accident in a moment when they sang honor christian soldiers and that's what spurred the you know the 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 following miracles Mm -hmm. you remember the woman with the issue of blood yes she had been sick for you know a long time years and she'd been to many doctors and and nobody was able to cure her and i'm looking for it in i think it's I think I want to go to Luke 8. I think that's where I want to go. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to go to Mark 5 or Luke 8, but let's take a look at Luke 8. And she's, so I'm going to start in verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any, came behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched my who touch me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng you and press you, and say, and you say, Who touched me? And he said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. So he felt that anointing leave his his body. Right. The anointing can be felt at times if yeah. it's strong enough. And verse 47, it says, And the woman saw that, that she was not his. She came trembling and fell down before him and declared before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she w- was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Are you, you at verse 48 in yours, Luke 8, 48? Yes. What, is, what does it say
1: in yours? Because I'm curious. It, say, it says, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace.
0: Okay. So he said basically the same thing in that version in the, in the New Living. is mm-hmm. The same thing that it says in the King James. Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. He didn't say I made you whole. Right. He said your faith made you whole. That's right. Too many times we we talk around faith, we talk about faith we we use the word faith pretty loosely, and when I first got saved, there were a lot of people around me that were praying to God for more faith. Well, that's not how faith develops. The word says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What I find and I, I find it amusing, and even now as I'm reading this, I found it amusing, because Luke was a doctor; he was a physician. So, verse Luke eight forty three says, "And a woman having an issue blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any." In other words, she they the physicians tried their best, but they couldn't do anything for her. In Mark five, it says. Um, starting in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. See, he, he puts it, she lost all her money. She didn't get better. She got worse and she suffered from all these physicians. But Luke, who was a physician, said they tried, but they couldn't heal her. I just find that amusing, right? Because from Luke's perspective, they did their best. From Mark's perspective, they made her suffer. Mm. Same same woman, yeah. Same situation, but two different viewpoints. That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, and it made me. And I thought of it when I was reading Luke's account, verse twenty-seven, when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said. Now, it doesn't say that in Luke, but it says it in Mark. For mm-hmm. she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She said. Remember that story of C- of Cindy in that book that we're both reading about quantum faith? Right. Uh-huh. She said, if he'll lay hands on me, I'll be healed. That's right. She put her point of contact, she made a point of contact with her face. Cindy made the point of contact is, he's going to lay hands on me and I'll be healed. This woman said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in herself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her who had done this thing. So he knew it was a her that had done this thing. Mm-hmm. And they all said, you, there's no way you can know that, right? <laughs> um, verse 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So she didn't just say, I got healed. She told the whole story. And you know she told the whole story because both Luke and Mark indicated she'd been sick for many, many, many years. So here's Jairus standing there waiting with his daughter who's dying at that point with this woman going on and on and on. In 1998, this started. In 1999, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Verse 34. And he said unto her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, I talked to you before we started this um, podcast about a text conversation that I had with my son last week,
1: Mm -hmm. because we're
0: all we're all studying on on quantum faith, we're all digging into the word and seeing how the quantum world is affected by our faith because there is a connection. God made the quantum world just right. because we didn't know that atoms and quarks existed 50 years ago. Doesn't mean that they didn't exist then. Right. They, they existed then. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that he was telling me, he said, you know, when, when, these, these, all these um, atoms are moving about all the time. It's when somebody put, when you're using your faith, what you're doing is you're drawing all those particles to one position. Uh-huh. Now, what we know about quantum faith so far, at least you and I, because we've started digging into this, mm-hmm. is that the quantum world is affected by the observer. Yes, and the observer will cause an action to to occur that would not have occurred otherwise, from what we can tell. Yeah, you know, and I know that words are waves; they're mm-hmm. sound waves that go across across the realm. And as we speak words, those words are containers. If we're using words and putting our faith behind it whether they're words for evil or words for good if we're using god's word or we're just saying things that we that work against us like oh i'm tired or it's been a rough day or i'm exhausted or whatever we're we're affecting those atoms around us and we're and they and we talked about plants last time and we and we know that it, a person speaking negative words or or Abusive words to a plant will kill the plant. Right. We also know from science that a person who speaks those kind of words, bitter words, angry words, unforgiving words, can cause sickness, disease, and even death in their own bodies.
1: Mm, That's right.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about words multiple times, and we'll probably never get off that subject because especially now, that I'm studying the quantum world and how it works as as my as Brian and I were discussing this by text it occurred to me and he said you know you got you've got all these these atoms are constantly moving even in what we think are solid objects they're moving atoms constantly nothing is ever still nothing is ever truly solid and when you speak words, and you have a faith project, you're, you're trying to affect your surroundings with your words, what you're doing is you're pulling those atoms into a position that will pinpoint to a, to a, a goal in the future. Right. Calling those things which be not as though they were. Yes, yes is causing those atoms in your future to move in alignment with what you believe you receive. That's right. I know this is deep because even as I'm saying it, it's, it's deep. <laughs> okay. Um, and the Lord quickened me to the amplified um, Hebrews 11.1. One. I'm going to read it in the King James. Can you read uh, Hebrews 11.1 one in yours? And then I'm going to read it in the King James and then I'll read the amplified and you'll see the difference between the, the three. Sure. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 11 says, what is faith?
1: It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. And it is the evidence of things we cannot yet
0: see. Okay. It is the, the confident assurance of things we hope for. Is that what it said? Yes. Okay. I like that. King James says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives your hope substance. If, you're, if, if a, a person is believing for a mate, they're hoping for a mate, but there's no substance to it yet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people misinterpret hope or exchange the word hope for Wish. Wish and hope are the same to them. It's not. Wish is is kind of a vapor and it goes away. But when you have hope, especially when it's Bible hope, then you are expecting with an outstretched neck. Because you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that this is coming to pass, even if no one else sees it. Right. But when you add your faith to it, that takes that, that, hope out that's out in the future that's just with an outstretched neck and it actually gives it substance Mm, so it no longer has just those atoms moving around the faith now brings those atoms together to a point to where they collapse that's what Brian was talking about he says your faith is bringing all those atoms together to a point where they collapse together into a form
1: because it's all like it's very it's energy and it's it's like magnetic energy correct so they they attract to each other correct so that's that's what we're dealing with essentially
0: that's what we're dealing with and the thing of it is is that it doesn't take much to take it out of the superposition Because it's all up until the point where someone uses their faith, it's all just kind of out there moving without a a real form or a real bringing it into material. It doesn't, it isn't material in a way that we can see it. It's material, but it's not in a way that we can see it because it's in a wave state. Right. Okay. Now I'm going to read the, the, amplified. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. (coughs) Excuse me. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I remember going to Anaheim for a convention. This has been at least... 25 years ago, probably more. Yeah. And somebody was preaching and he said, you know, if you go, if you make a, re- we all made a reservation to get to this, ho- to get to this convention. We all made a reservation at a hotel because we're here for a week. And that speaker said, now, if you got to your, your hotel and they suddenly say, uh, there's no room for Cheryl. They're like, wait a minute. I have a confirmation number. Yeah, but we don't have a room. We overbooked. We don't have a room for Cheryl. And this particular preacher, because of his background, he said, look, I have a confirmation number. It's, it's number 44476. 4 7 6 Now, I don't care whether you have to make me a room, whether you have to build me a room, whether you have to throw somebody out of a room. <laughs> he says, I don't really care. Because mm-hmm. I have this confirmation fo 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 of seven six and this confirmation says this is my room so get me my room. That's the way we have to be with our faith. We can't take no for an answer if we have set our goal our faith mark on something we have to stay with it. That's right. Because if we don't stay with it it doesn't It's not going to come to pass. And what the enemy, what the enemy does is he tries to get people to let go of that faith mark they've made. Yeah. Because it only has to be going back to the quantum realm where everything's in a wave state and you're trying to, with your faith, draw those particles together To a point where they collapse and become substance. It doesn't take a whole lot to get it off the mark. No, it doesn't. And so what the enemy does, and this goes back to my books again, but the Lord has been showing me how the quantum realm and how, what I've known for years about those spirits in the dark realm, how they operate is what they try to do is get you off that mark. And they don't care whether they get you to say the wrong words to go against what you believed you've received, mm-hmm. whether they get you to act as though, I, I have a friend and I love her dearly. She and I have had this a discussion about her mobile carrier for at least two years that I've known her and I've known her close to 20 years. At least two years we've had this discussion about her mobile carrier. Because, A, her texts were, the amount of, of characters they allow in her text means that if I sent her a text, she wouldn't get the whole thing, she'd get it in little pieces. If I sent her a video and it was longer than 15 seconds, it wouldn't, it wouldn't allow me to send it to her. And I kept saying to her, why don't you get another, you know, it's probably your carrier, see if you can get a different carrier she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't. She said, uh, yeah, I'll look into it, but she kept giving me this. I could tell she was just putting me off. Mm-hmm. And I said to her the other day, she's been looking for another job, the job she has. Um, she needs, she needs, to, uh, and she's really, she's very intelligent. She's, she's works in tech and she's a, she's a, um, a programmer. So she was she's been looking for a job. And I've been saying to her for especially the last two years where I can't send her a full I have to email her a video if it's longer than 15 seconds, which is ridiculous. I shouldn't have to email her a video, you know. Right. Yeah. I said, You're the only friend I have that I have this problem. I and mean, it has to be your carrier. And she has a carrier that's very inexpensive. And I spoke to her earlier this week and she said, did you get, did you get my text?" And I said, mm, which text?" Come to find out she hasn't been getting my texts. She hasn't been getting another friend's text, And she says, oh my God, she says, I'm probably not, that's probably why I'm not able to find the jobs I've been, I keep applying for jobs and I don't hear from anybody. I said, when are you going to get a different carrier?" She goes, well, it, you know, I, I, I will, I will. I said, you keep saying that. I said are, I, finally say, I finally got upset with her and I said, I said, are you poor? And it shocked her and she says, well, no. I said, then quit acting like it. <laughs> because in the quantum realm, you're drawing that to yourself. You're drawing poverty because you're acting poor. Right. And see, that's how the enemy does it. It's very subtle very subtle. And people, because they're expecting the devil to appear with a pitchfork and horns on his head and a demonic laugh, when it's subtle like that, they don't catch it. And when I said to her, are you poor? And it shocked her. And she went, well, no, I did then quit acting like it. She said, I needed to hear that. And she got upset and she started crying. And I said, do you want the sympathy or do you want the victory? Wow. And I don't, you know, I don't talk like that normally. Yeah. You know, not normally, but it, it was, it, the Holy Spirit rose up in me because I realized what she was doing. Yeah. I said, you're drawing this to yourself. And I sent her, um, you know, on the, on the, our phones, we can, we can use it as a scanner. So I scanned the page from that, from the book that we're both reading and sent it to her. And then she asked me what book it was because I didn't tell her. I just sent it to her. I said, "I'm reading a book. You need to see this." <laughs> so I'm sure she's going to be ordering it. Well, I pray so. It's so, a good book. It is a good book um, because there's so much in there to the interplay. God created science. Scientists, a lot of them these days, especially. I mean, Einstein was was a you know was believer. Newton was a believer. We have a lot of people that were believers, but these days scientists try to act like they're the ones who created everything. Right. And they discount God. And it's not, that's God's the one who created all this. It didn't come from them. And I'm going to skip down to verse three in Hebrews 11, three, but I'm going to read it in the amplified. Okay. By faith, we understand that the world's, during the excessive ages the successive ages were framed fashioned put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the wor- word of god so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible doesn't that sound like the quantum or- world it does absolutely and the thing of it is is we have to understand how to effectively operate in both realms because they affect one another. Yes, they do. And when you understand, you know, the books that I've written are for you to, for the reader to understand how the enemy tries to short circuit. Do you realize that when you are in faith, you cannot be the observer in the, in the, in the spirit realm? Hmm. That's a good point. You cannot be the observer. If you're trying to get those waves and particles to collapse onto one another to to create what you're believing for, while you're in faith, you cannot see it to cause it to to short-circuit. Right. The observer has nothing to do with it. You cannot mess it up by observing it and expecting it to do something different because doubt came in. You, you can't do that because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. The only way you can, you can cause that superposition, superposition that you're trying to aim for to get messed up is to allow doubt in. That's right. Because you cannot see it. Therefore, you cannot observe it. Therefore, the observer has nothing to do with it. Do you see how that puts you in a position of of victory every single time if you can stay in faith? Well, you're right. That's exactly right. And what the Lord, I was folding laundry in the middle of this text conversation that I had with Brian. And I came back and I wrote this really long text to him. And I said, I hope this makes sense to you because the Lord, I've been folding laundry and the Lord showed me this. He said, when someone is in faith and they're using their words correctly, they are in a position where they cannot mess it up. He says, and for those who don't know the word very well, or those who have just started learning all of this. I gave you the name of Jesus, which is the name above every name. It is the one word in all of creation that supersedes every other word. Mm, Wow, good stuff. So when someone only knows the name of Jesus because they're brand new, as long as they understand that the power in the name of Jesus, and the fact that that, is the, that truly is the name above every name. Jesus is the name above cancer. Jesus is the name above job loss. Jesus is the name above, the name above poverty. Jesus is the name above disability. Jesus is the name above anger. Jesus is name above divorce. There isn't anything that Jesus isn't the name above. That's right. Everything has a name because that's how this world was created. Mm -hmm. And there isn't any name that's above the name of Jesus. Not one. So as long as that person who doesn't know the word believes that that name is truly the name above every name, which it is, they can win on that alone," he All said. Right. "I set you in a position where you cannot lose."
1: Wow. Hmm. I just, oh, I just, uh, it, I know. It gets me. It gets me so excited. But yeah. But, when you, when you, when you start thinking about that, you, he puts you in a position where you can't lose.
0: You absolutely cannot lose.
1: Yeah. And I, I, gosh, I want people to, I want everybody, whoever's listening to this podcast to really grab a hold of that and wrap your mind around it and understand that God has already put us in that position. We already have the victory. He's put us in that position to
0: where Correct. we can't lose. Correct. Correct. All we have, our job is to believe what he said. Right. And enforce it.
1: Amen. Oh, man. Makes you just want to shout and makes you want to dance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I understand because that was like, I, when I said it to Brian, I said, I didn't say it quite the same way because it's the anointing took over here just a moment ago. And he added a couple of things in there. But if people would grasp that, they would quit begging and crying and moaning and groaning and, oh, Lord, please help me. I I need a word. I heard Bill Winston this week. He was praying and said, Lord, the people need a word. The people need a word. Lord, the people need a word. And the Lord says, what are you doing? (laughs) He says, well, the people need a word. He says, is that how I told you to come to me? He said, uh, No. So let me tell you how he said to come to him. See, uh, this is Hebrews 4, starting at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, or his Son of love, let us hold fast our profession let us hold doesn't say hold on to a kind of yeah okay I, yeah this is i'm in church so i need to say praise god i'm i'm delivered and now <laughs> i'm out of church now i can talk about how bad it is if you're not trying to impress the people in church right. you're trying to cause those particles to come to collapse into superposition And those particles respond 24-7. So saying it in front of Cheryl to impress Cheryl and then saying something else behind Cheryl's back won't work. That's right. Because honestly, I'm sure you don't care because you're busy working (laughs) on your own stuff.
1: That's right. Verse
0: 15. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, this is, that, this is the part that the Lord had built. He said to Bill, well, how did I tell you to come to me? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we, may, that we might maybe possibly, if he's in a good mood, get what we need. <laughs> is that what it says? No, no, it okay. doesn't. It doesn't. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy mm-hmm. is you're getting, you're getting forgiven for, and things overlooked that you did wrong even though you don't deserve it. Right. In the Amplified, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly Draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. In the Gospels, it said, "If you ask, if you're if you're a father and you, your child asks for bread, do you give him a stone. If he right. asks for an egg, do you give him a scorpion?" The answer is no. No. And we're not as good as God is. <laughs> That's right. He's going to give you what you ask for, but you have to stand against those forces. You have to make up your mind. I am not settling for less than what I believe I receive. I just went through something. You know about it. I'm not going to discuss it here. Mm -hmm. It didn't quite turn out the way I expected. That's okay. God's not finished yet. I'm not giving up. That's right. I don't play nine-inning games. I play until I win. So if they have to go into overtime and go another inning, that's not my problem. (laughs) because I'm not quitting until I get what I want. That's right. And I'm doing the same thing I did with that house. Anybody that wants to hear me say it, they can, I'm, I'm going to say it to them too. I've said it to several people that don't believe. That's fine. I said, Lord, show them. Show them the power of God. And I told one of my coworkers that I was standing in faith for her dream shift. And I, every time, every day I say, thank you, Lord, that so-and-so has her dream shift as well. And when you do it, let her know that it was no man that did it. Do it in such a way that she cannot deny that it was you that did it. Oh, amen. Because that's what the world is looking for. The world is in a mess. Mm-hmm. And we are not the one we are the ones with the answers. And up till now the church has not stepped in. And You're you right. Are, it hasn't. No. And you and I are both in a in a special in a you know a certain social media platform. I'm not gonna mention which one. Right. And people are starting to interact with me and they're asking me questions. And I'm saying to them, it's past time for us to stand up. We are the, we are supposed to be defeating the darkness. That's right. That is that is our job. And one person said, me, commented yesterday about something, and she, the, the she said, "I don't understand why people are letting this happen." I said, "Fear. It's Satan's number one weapon is fear, mm-hmm. and they're giving into fear, and they're because they're giving into fear, they're not standing up." and what you compromise to keep you lose if you compromise with the enemy then he wants you see you've seen how it has happened over the last two years Mm -hmm. i won't get into it but you see around us people saying well it's only this this. oh now it's only this well now it's only this well now it's only this And this country doesn't look the same as it did two years ago, three years ago. No, it's unrecognizable anymore. Right, because it's only this. Right. And now it's only this. Mm -hmm. We cannot do that. Romans 8. <clears throat> I'm not sure what verse yet because I have to find it first before I'll be able to tell you what verse. Um, Romans eight nineteen. What does it say in yours? It says,
1: For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day
0: will reveal who reveal his, his children <laughs> really are not bad I think it's a little stronger in the King James it says for the earnest expectation of the creature for the earnest expectation you know the outstretched neck we were talking about with hope Mm -hmm. for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God or it's something in the NIV it says all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God how are they going to see the manifestation of the sons of God if we're afraid to speak up or stand up? That's right, we're not. We're not. And the Amplified, it says, For even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's son to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. It's time. The disclosing of our sonship, it has to be revealed. It's time. Yeah. And it goes back to the prophecy that somebody, I heard it somewhere recently, I don't remember where I heard it, where there was a prophetic word. Oh, it was, it was uh, Annette Capps. She was in an interview and she said there was a pro- prophetic word that came forth at a Hagen meeting, Kenneth Hagen meeting back in the 70s. And and a prophet has said, the body of Christ has a part to play in when Jesus comes back. People are saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Yeah, he's waiting for us to step up and be the sons of God, because every word of this Bible has to be fulfilled before he can come. That's right. And that part hasn't happened yet. Not yet. But it's coming. And I think it's coming sooner than the enemy planned because he was trying to keep people in fear so that they wouldn't ever stand up. Right. But that time is over. It has to be. It has to be. And I'm watching people um, wake up on that platform that you and I are both on. Yeah. I'm watching people wake up. Because all that religious stuff, you know, God is in control. I I haven't responded because the Lord told me not to at this point, but I may in the future because I see it a lot. God is in control. He gave us all power in heaven and earth was given to him, and he turned around and gave it to us. Right. So he's not in control until we take control and make a demand on what he said. Right. He's not in control. He gave it to us. If we don't make a faith demand, he can do nothing. Because he gave it to us. Amen. So I think we're going to go ahead and leave it here. I think there was a lot to think about. And I'm going to keep digging into this, I don't know how many more times we're going to talk about quantum faith, but um, I'm going to keep digging because I believe this is the key to the victory for the body of Christ in these times.
1: Right. And I hope we're here for a while because, you know, this is, this is really powerful information that you are basically disseminating the body of Christ and they need to know it and they need to get a hold of it. And I think we're, and we're just going to be here as long as it takes.
0: Yeah. And I, I honestly, the way things are going, I really want either a breakthrough or a rapture and we're not going to get that until everybody's on, on board. So. Right. You know, either get on board or get out of the way. One of the two. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Right. So, so anyway, until next time, be, be victorious, be diligent, be faithful, and defeat the darkness.